and welcome to the Baseball Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. Happy holidays. I'm your host, Adam Castor. Here, as always, my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, how are you? Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa to all those that celebrate. I'm, just covering, I'm covering all the holidays, Adam. Yes. Got to cover all the holidays. Because forgive me if I, if I sound ignorant, right? I know Kwanzaa is, is on Monday. Um, yes, Kwanzaa Hanukkah. started as we're recording this. So Hanukkah is yes. over, I think. But Hanukkah and Christmas were at the same time. They ran at this the year. same at the same time this year. So Hanukkah started on the night of the 18th. Yes. This year. Because mm-hmm. it was early last year. And that's yeah. the that's the one my one gripe with my religion is that holidays are never on the same day. And I guess it's kind of like that with Easter, I think, right? Is Easter yeah. different? Yes. Easter, East, Easter, Easter is never the same day. But at least like Christmas, you know, December 25th, that's it. Yep. But for a lot of the Jewish holidays, because it's based on the Jewish calendar, on the Jewish calendar, it's the same day every year, but it has to line up with, with our, with the Gregorian calendar. Correct. It's kind of, I was, I was looking for the, I was looking for the word, the the correct term and you beat me, you beat me to the punch Gregorian. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so Hanukkah's fun though. Hanukkah was fun. Christmas was fun. I saw the movie Babylon, which is nonsense, but the good kind of nonsense. Carlo Generelli could would probably call that movie style as substance. If he, he, if he probably he would. It. Yeah, he probably would. But it also had a pretty good plot and it was able to hold together the arcs of five of like four or five different characters at the same time, which is kind of which is impressive. So there are there are two things that I that I want to that I want to bring up very quickly. Um, because now we're down the cinematic hallway and we'll make this quick. Um, one, of course, I went to Puerto Rico, much, much mentioned and much talked about, um, after Puerto Rico, I'm now very ill. So this is like the first day that I feel like a normal human being. Um, but we're just carrying on because as mentioned on previous podcasts last week, I love Christmas. I love Christmas. Um, we managed to do Christmas. Christmas was fantastic. Um, but on the way back from Puerto Rico, I the way down there, I slept because that was an early-ass flight, and I just didn't want anything to do with anybody. But on the way back, it was a night flight, so I was very awake. So there was time to kill between uh, getting back into U.S. Uh, mainland territory where I could flip on DirecTV to watch... Uh, the Monday night game. So we, I had some time to kill. And so I was looking through the movie catalog on JetBlue. And Adam, do you know what was one of the films they had on JetBlue? I'm going to guess Casablanca. Very, very close. Uh, Gone with the Wind? Very, very close in terms of Films that I hold near and dear to my heart. Oh, the Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank. They oh. had it. They had it. Unbelievable. Like... <laughs> of course I watched it. Of course. For I think it's probably the 70th time, but I'll watch it 70 more times. And my job, my job in this life is to promote fantastic cinema. And if that is what I will do until the day that I die, so be it. It's a good movie. I mean, film. don't get me wrong. Film. It's Adam. a good film. It's a film. 
It's a film. It's a cinematic masterpiece. Okay. That's number one. And then number two, Christmas Eve night, after we got done with uh, with with uh, watching Star Wars and all that, I did watch Casablanca. Because, of course. Yeah. Because, of course. It's beautiful. Why do I feel like that? Did that movie take place? Did that film take place around Christmas? Or. Um, I don't think so. I don't know why I like picture it as that, but maybe it's just because it's around Christmas. But I don't think so. Probably not. Uh, I believe it is. It's World War Two, but I don't know if there's like a set, like timeline or anything. Uh, I mean, let's see. If they don't mention it, then they don't mention it. So I don't think they. I don't think they've ever. They ever have in the film. I don't think so. No, no. You made me really think about that one, Adam. Yeah. Well. I don't know. I because I still haven't seen it. So what? Disgraceful. I know. Disgraceful. I know. Um. All right. Back to back to things that everybody everybody gives a shit about, except for uh, despite our uh, movie tastes. Uh, how do we fare in uh, in in semis this week? Uh. Well, I already got eliminated by your brother in the non guillotine because of Aaron Jones, and I lost in my work league. Because of Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, mainly. And then also TJ Hawkinson, who I'm convinced Kevin O'Connell has on his fantasy team. I'm convinced. (laughs) That's a great guy. But, but, guess what? What we all predicted, like a couple weeks ago when we were looking at the schedule, playoff schedules, is coming true. Bird and I will be facing off again against each other in the final of the guillotine pending stack corrections we will be facing off against each other and pending uh austin eckler and keenan allen don't get injured on the first and second plays of the game on monday night oh that's also true (laughs) yeah that would that would just be my luck that really would be my luck i think i need four points actually i could probably do the quick math right now i genuinely think i need four points so you need more than 36.8, 136.8, and you have 129.3. I need 7.6. Yeah. From 7.6 to advance, 7.5 to tie. Yeah. Out of two guys. I should be a-okay. You should be fine. I should be a-okay. Those are things that have happened. Listen, but you should be listen fine. as a diehard fantasy players, no. You always panic until it actually happens. Oh, I was uh, quite, I was sweating the Sunday night game with, because I had Chris Goblin going up against James Conner, basically. And yeah. I was, when he dropped that touchdown, I was like, ah, but, you know, it was in double coverage. So I um, can't really blame him for that one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I need, I need a whole lot of things. I still, I still have a semi. Both teams are projected for over 200 points. I may lose. I'm down. Let me let me check. Let me check the lay of the land, and you could you could tell me what you think of my uh, predicament. 
because honestly, I don't know. I had a whole shit ton of guys that were going yesterday. Um, Christian Watson royally, royally fucked me. Uh, so that was very, very, very nice of him. A nice little Christmas gift from Christian Watson in the form of Cole and him tripping on the goal line. That was just awesome. Um, so I am down right now. I am down 31. He has the Chargers defense left. I have Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen. Now, mind you, this is my super flex where every yard gets counted, half PPR, and six points per passing touchdown. Ooh. Yeah. You might be able to to swing. Do you get negative points for defenses? No. Ooh. No. So it would just be a zero. If anything. So basically, basically we're talking about his floor for points would be about would would be 195. Right. Honestly, 30 points with all those things uh, factoring in with Herbert and Allen, you could definitely that's realistic. I think so. I, I mean, Brady, Brady really decided to save his uh, heroics for the second half. So As thanks, Tom. Usual. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. You maybe really want to kill you at one point, but it's it, it's definitely tight. It's going to be interesting. This is this is my thing out of all the leagues that I have uh, the the nineteen. Uh, this is this is my big money one. This is the one I really want to win. I don't know if I'll be able to do it because the other team that's going to the uh, final is a very 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 good team. So I don't know if I'll be able to win this. Um, but out of 19, I'm going to be in four championships, which That's is good. Uh, it's a half decent return. It's a half decent return. I lost in I lost in six semis. I'm definitely done in six and I'm in four. So under 50 percent return in, in the semis, but it's OK. It's OK. And this is this is also I'm a six seed here. So a six seed running the table beating a three seed and then beating the one seed to get to a championship and guaranteeing myself that second place money. It's not bad. Yeah, that's not bad. Honestly, I feel like uh, totally unrelated, but I feel like we should do, I think we are planning on doing in the off season an episode about like different, uh, different rule sets and uh, cool ideas. Cause I, in my work league, we had a two week playoff. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm like, this is interesting. Literally, literally my, one of my buddies, I was talking to him about it the other day and I said to him, it, it's, it's complicated and it's not. And we, we could definitely do an episode on that. We could definitely do an episode on that because I, I am all for showing people the light and saying you could get away from just conservative fantasy football. There are, so many different things out there that you could try to incorporate in your leagues. You just have to be, you just have to be liberal enough to want to do it. Yeah. And I mean, it gives you great ideas like the guillotine, for example, which has been a, rou- a rousing success. Yep. And it will be back next year. Yep. But that's, that's for the off season. We're still in playoffs. And instead of going game by game as, 
as we usually do, we're going to do a buy or sell um, with one player for each position. And I mean, I guess it's this is a buy or sell for next week because there's really only one on one week left in the fantasy football season. But we could also do some buy or sells for next year as well. Sure. Yeah, sure. Based on can. based on the player. So let's get into the quarterbacks. Would you like to go first? Uh, sure. I, I could definitely go first. Um, buy or sell. Joe Burrow has locked himself in as being a top three drafted quarterback next year. Interesting. So top three over. So it's Mahomes and Josh is the top two, you would think. And then you have the likes of Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, uh, Justin Herbert. I don't know. I think I might sell that. Because I think you can you can make an argument to pick Jalen Hurts, um, in the as your third quarterback, just based on the season that he's had. I mean, AJ Brown has just turned his fantasy outlook on its head, where he looks like he's going to be a star going forward, as long as AJ Brown's still there. Uh, I'm selling it as well, but is Joe Burrow definitely a top five quarterback next year? Yes, absolutely. He, he's great. I mean, he he turns the ball over like a fair amount, which is not great because you know he threw two he threw two picks in the game against New England. That I mean, that happens. I mean, the game against. But you're also playing New England. That's what New England do. So yeah. it's like it's not really a huge surprise. Well, even in the first game, like in Week One against Pittsburgh. Where like Joe Burrow just couldn't stop throwing any. He threw four interceptions. Um, he's had an interception in one, two, three, four, five, six. He's had an interception in seven games out of sixteen or fifteen. This yeah, season. but we're but we're still we're still talking about Joe Burrow with his overall stats. 34 touchdowns, 12 picks, and with, by the way, probably the game of the year next Monday night to close out the fantasy season, bills Bengals. I mean, holy smokes. No, I know. Listen, I'm not going to let that deter me from picking Joe Burrow early. I'm just saying you have to have the full picture. Like, Joe Burrow is going to have games where he might not score as many points because he throws interceptions. That's the thing. I also think those 12, those 12 picks are fifth fewest among starting quarterbacks, which is kind of nuts. That is kind of nuts because 12 picks doesn't seem like it seems like a lot, but it's really, I guess it's not. Uh, let's see here. There was one other thing that I wanted that I wanted to bring up. Oh, I know exactly what it was. All right. I want to pivot just very quickly to something that was more, that's uh, more focused on fantasy championships. Um, buy or sell, you are actively going to target guys that are playing on the West Coast or in domes in the fantasy championships. I've seen this take on Reddit because people are mad at Stefan Diggs, mainly because of it's not and, just Stefan Diggs. Well, Amari Cooper also really screwed you. Um, Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams. Honestly, it's not a bad shout. <laughs> you can't predict the weather because you could also have like 
crazy weather on the West Coast where you have... What's that, wildfires? Well, that did happen like two years ago, but that's that was earlier in the season. But I don't know. Are we over... Are we, are we like... Is this a knee-jerk thing where it's you get burned by a couple big players because of the terrible weather and you're like, never again, maybe. I still think, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough debate to be honest with you. There were historic low temperatures everywhere East of the Mississippi. So for this instance, we talked about this on the preview show. We talked about this on the mailbag that maybe it would not be such a bad idea where if you were in a 50-50 to go with the guy that was playing in a warmer climate, which paid off. Because if we look at the top 10 scorers for the week, let's run through them. TJ Hawkinson, Dome, Cam Akers, my beautiful boy, Cam Akers, finally coming through. Dome, West Coast, CeeDee Lamb, Dome, Justin Jefferson, Dome, Devonta Smith, Dome. Tyler Higby, Dome. George Kittle, West Coast. Saquon Barkley, Dome. Dak Prescott, Dome. T. Higgins, outside New England. Nine out of the top ten were either on the West Coast or in a Dome. Interesting. Coincidence? Also, Coincidence? I think not. Also, I want to say something about your Joe Burrow thing. I think you had it backwards. He has the fifth most interceptions. It's the fifth most? Okay, I apologize. Because so Derek Carr has 14, Matt Ryan has 13, Josh Allen has 13, surprisingly. Uh, Davis Mills has 13, Dak has 12, Burrow has 12. Yeah, you could tell him, you could tell him sick. Yeah. I can't even I can't even read the fucking stats, right? Oh, uh, that's fine. I was like, that's that seems low, that seems like low for 27 least. I'm very ill, clearly. It's okay. It's okay. Um but are we like, I don't think that's a coincidence. That... No, I don't think that's a coincidence. But I think also it's just like, I want to see a larger sample size aside from like this week. Sure. But let's, I mean, let's just look at the games for next week, right? Let's just run through them quick. The Cowboys, and the Titans, that's now, that's an outdoor game. I don't think anybody's betting their Cowboys though. Cardinals and the Falcons, that's inside. Dolphins, the Patriots up in Foxborough, it'll be cold. Saints-Eagles in Philadelphia, it'll probably be cold. Colts-Giants in the Meadowlands, that'll probably be cold. Panthers-Bucks in Tampa, it should be okay. Broncos-Chiefs in Kansas City, that should that'll probably be cold. Bears-Lions in Detroit in a dome. Browns-Washington in Washington, probably be cold. Jaguars-Texans in a dome in Houston, that should be fine. 49ers-Raiders in the dome or in within the confines of Allegiant Stadium. That should be fine. Jets, Seahawks in Seattle. That'll be cold. And on Vikings, the West Coast. Packers, at Lambeau. That'll be cold. Rams, Chargers in LA. That'll be fine. Steelers, Ravens in Baltimore. That'll probably be cold. And Bills, Bengals in Cincinnati. That'll probably be cold too. So really the only games that we're talking about where you could probably avoid the whole cold weather thing are Chargers, Rams, Raiders 49ers, Texans Jaguars, Lions Bears, and Bucks Panthers. Yeah, but like 
are you seriously going to be like, well, it's going to be cold outside. So I'm going to, you know, proceed with caution with Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs and Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon. Again, all Adam, those guys. It, it, it's, it's, it, you use it as a tie break. You don't use it as, you don't use it to justify. It's, it's not, oh man, Josh Allen could be playing in, in the cold in Cincinnati. I might have to, start Derek Carr over him because he's playing in Las Vegas in the desert. Like, no, no. But if you're torn, like if you have to stream, like if you're in a Jalen Hurts situation, you don't have Jalen Hurts and your only options are a, this is an extreme example, but a Tyler Huntley or a Derek Carr. Maybe you go with Derek Carr because he's playing in, in Allegiant stadium over Tyler Huntley. Now, would I really want to stream Derek Carr in a championship? Hell no. I mean, I wouldn't be streaming anybody against uh, the 49ers defense. That is a legit defense. Mm-hmm. That is a matchup-proof defense. And you're starting them at a fantasy championship. I don't care if they're going up against Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs and whomever. You're starting those guys. So what, we, what we, we're talking about with the Domes is just you use them as a tie-break situation. You don't use that as your primary reason to start or bench guys. That's it. I can see that rationale. That's an interesting take, though, because it does add another wrinkle to what you're looking at well, when you're and, making and, lineup decisions. And the and the stat and the stats back it up. The stats, stats back do it back up. it up. Um, my buy or sell from the quarterback spot. Quarterback as a position is un, is is very unpredictable. Interesting. On a week, interesting. On a week's week basis. Interesting, because I I think it it is very predictable, but I guess it just depends on what guys we're talking about. Well, I mean, I don't know. Like, you look at this week, for example, you have guys, Jared Goff is your QB2. Well, Gardner Minshew probably wouldn't be starting anyway if Jalen Hurts was healthy. (laughs) But, you know, you have have Sammy in the the top 10. You have... Uh, Baker Mayfield doing really well, but also, I mean, this week was a low scoring week overall for players. Yes, that is, that is true. So it's just interesting to, to look at the, the quarterback position, you know, as a whole, I think, you know what my buyer sell actually, are you drafting Kirk cousins next year? Sure. Are you drafting him in like below, before the tenth round? No, no. He he is a perfect. This is what Kirk Cousins is. He is a perfect guy for all those people that don't want to go drafting a quarterback in round eight, drafting a quarterback in round nine. He is the perfect candidate to try and target late. Kind of like what a Trevor Lawrence was, kind of like what a what a Tom Brady kind of was. Obviously, it didn't work out with Brady, but Kirk Cousins is that kind of guy that you're going to draft late, not like super late, but early double digit rounds, and you'll feel pretty good about it because he has Justin Jefferson, he's going to have Dalvin Cook, he's going to have uh, T.J. Hawkinson, he has a elite array of options around him. 
that he'll be able to he'll be able to utilize. And Kirk Cousins, he really is just Mr. Consistent. Obviously, with Kirk, he's gonna have his duds. Absolutely. That that, that comes with the Kirk Cousins experience. But with the, the offense that Kevin O'Connell is running in Minnesota, they want to throw the ball and they want to throw the ball downfield. That's exactly what they've done this year. He's on pace to have the most passing yards that he's had whilst being a member of the Minnesota Vikings this year. He right now is at 4,100, just over 4,100. His most is just under 4,300. So he's going to eclipse that by leaps and bounds. He's going to have a 30 touchdown season, odds are. And not to mention, he's got probably the best wide receiver in football right now on his team with Justin Jefferson. So, you know, with that, yeah, Kirk Cousins is a very, very appealing option for fantasy managers that don't want to go big for the likes of Joe Burrow, for Jalen Hurts, for Justin Herbert, um, Dak Prescott, those kind of guys. Kirk Cousins is perfect for that. Yeah. He's he's the kind of guy very, very, very quickly, Adam, before we go to uh, to the running backs and, and further. But he's that kind of guy, you know, that we talked about at the beginning of the year, where if you don't take if you don't take like when we listed out those guys like Jalen Hurts, he's what Dak. I th- he's basically what I think Derek Carr is. <laughs> no, it's actually what, what I wasn't going to say. He he's that he's that guy. He's the first guy in the group of quarterbacks where you have to draft two of them. Where it's like we you know when we were talking about drafting Jalen, Dak, Herbert, Burrow, you could only you could draft those guys and you're good because you're probably starting those guys every single week regardless. Kirk, you probably would want to draft somebody else behind him with significant upside. Like, I think if we're talking about the beginning of the year, maybe that guy is, I think we, I, I had to have said this at some point, but pairing Kirk with a Trey Lance at the beginning of the year. Oh, I can get, I think you definitely said that. Either I probably did because Kirk, it sounds very familiar. Kirk but with like, Trevor Lawrence was also a thing that we, that we said. Absolutely. Yeah. But like, and going into going into next year, even like pairing a Kirk Cousins with a potentially a Malik Willis, or pairing a Kirk Cousins with a Bryce Young or a C.J. Stroud, those might not be terrible options. Honestly, Malik Willis looks terrible. So I he, he, he looks terrible. But to be fair, it it can't get much worse than this. And I still think Malik Willis is talented. Um, now whether or not he gets the job next year, we'll have to wait and see, but that's the guy, the kind of guy that I'm talking about. You want to have some guy with significant upside. Like if you're drafting Kirk cousins with, let's say it's, uh, let's just go with Derek Carr. Let's just say Derek Carr. Those guys are two in the same, like there's no growth. There's no return that you're really getting out of having both cousins and Derek Carr, but a Kirk cousin, uh, here's a great one. Here's a great one for next year, Adam. Kirk Cousins with Kenny Pickett. Ooh, honestly, excellent duo to have. You could just pair Kirk Cousins with Trey Lance again. I mean, it's the same kind of thing. Sure. If Trey Lance will be ready to go for, if you could tell me Trey Lance will be ready to go for for week one. Yeah, because everything that I'm seeing with San Francisco suggests one of two things. One, anybody who plays a quarterback for the 49ers is going to be good regardless of who you are. Or number two, Kyle Shanahan is just a fucking genius. Or three both. The real system quarterback was the friends we made along the way. True. But uh, running backs. 
my i mean call this reactionary call this knee jerk if you want but james connor with trace mcsorley at quarterback james connor could win you a a fantasy championship next week or this week i mean i do i do think that uh colt mccoy will probably be back but i'm still gonna buy it because the matchup versus atlanta is is absolutely terrific and I mean, we got to just we got to really credit James Conner. I mean, I know we've we've talked about James Conner, and he did not have the best start to the season uh, before Week Twelve. Week Twelve was his first hundred yard game. He had a buck twenty against the Chargers. It's been his only hundred yard game of the year. But since Week Eleven, yeah, Week Ten, even let's go to Week Ten, shall we? He has five touchdowns. If, is that math right? Three, four, five. I can't. I can't add. He has six touchdowns since week ten. He's had also, with a buy, with a buy in week thirteen. He has had since he came back from injury in week nine. He has had at least three receptions in every game. Fantastic. And I mean, yesterday Trace McSorley. Uh, we're recording this on Monday. So yesterday, Trace McSorley was constantly throwing him checkdowns, giving me Ajita because I was going up against him in the guillotine. But and then James Conner broke one for uh, for a touchdown in the in the third or fourth quarter. Yep. So nice um, little twenty two yard scamper. Yes, it was a, it was great for him and not I for think, you though, not for your heart. No, not for my heart. But I think that. Seriously, like James Conner's got on a bit of a on a bit of a streak here. And I think the the other thing is that the one time that they put in Keontae Ingram, they severely fucked up that handoff. And um I it was just weird. It was like an option pitch that Ingram didn't even know about. And that's what Cliff King, Kingsbury was just like, all right, nope, we're not doing that anymore. Yeah, James Conner, get back in there. Just James Conner all the time, all day, every day. Yeah, um, and, and he he basically has been a twenty touch guy minimum. So it's it, we talk about this all the time, volume, 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 and sometimes that volume is good to is going to be what's good enough just to get just to get you through. And the touchdown is obviously the bonus. So on twenty two touches, over a hundred yards, and he got you the twenty five points. That's a fantastic day. You take that to the bank, hundred times out of a hundred. So do I think James Conner is going to be a guy that we're talking about in week 17 that, you know, we're looking back is a James Conner two touchdown day potentially in the cards where he could be bring fantasy championships home for people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. All right. So what's your buy yourself for the running backs? Um, This is more, it's definitely more of a draft one. Um, but I think it's definitely a conversation worth having now because we're going to have it during the offseason a thousand times. Um, we could just, you know, gl- glance over it now. Uh, buy or sell. The running backs are going to be worth fading in 2023 drafts. There's a lot of credence to the zero RB strategy. A lot of the zero RB guys are like, we told you so. Because a lot of the guys that are you know, that have been top for this whole year are guys that you didn't necessarily draft in the first round. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, look who look at who the RB one was this week. I know, your boy K Makers. Look, I say, people people hated on me, but if you if you, if you started K Makers this week, and there were people that did, congrats to those people, because they deserve it. And for the people that hated on K Makers, I hope you lost. Would you like to hear? I hope you got the one point four or the two point five from Hopkins or Dix. Um, I don't know if this is updated through this week because this week isn't over yet, technically. But um, as I'm looking at the fantasy points, you want to hear the top five in running for running backs in full point PPR? Can I guess them? Sure. Let's see how good I am. Well, Cam Akers is one. No, no, no. All the time. <clears throat> Throughout the season. Oh, for the season. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Um, all right. For the running backs? Yep. Uh, okay. In full. In full. Well, Austin Eckler is one. No. Is that, no. Oh, this hasn't been. Okay. So McCaffrey? Yes. Okay. McCaffrey's one. Hmm. <laughs> I just said that Austin Eckler isn't one. Is he, t- is he two then? He is two. Okay. So he hasn't played yet, but he will be one. What's the difference? Like 0.5? It is 0.1. Okay, there you go. He'll be he'll be one by the end of the week. Uh McCaffrey one. Eckler two. Uh Barkley. Nope. Not Barkley. He's in the top five, though, right? Yes. Okay. All right. Barkley. Derek Henry. Derrick Henry is also in the top five, but he's not three. Who the hell is three? You'll be surprised. Is it my man Big P, Tony Pollard? No, he's six. Oh, Josh Jacobs. Yes. <clears throat> there we go. So it's so just to clarify, McCaffrey one, Eckler two, Jacobs three, Henry four, Barkley five. Correct. And where's Big P by any chance? He is six. Ah, Big P. Great guy. And then it's Nick Chubb, Ramondre Stevenson, Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones. And I think that's... No. Uh, and then Joe Mixon. That's your well, top ten. Well, this is actually uh, building off of the, uh, the, the, the buy or sell. Because if we're going off of for the zero RB people out there, zero RB, Tony Pollard, RB6, Ramondre Stevenson, RB10. Jamal Williams, RB17. Devin, like Devin Singletary, RB19. Kenneth Walker, RB21. Antonio Gibson, RB24. Jarek McKinnon, RB25. AJ Dillon, RB26. Damian Pierce before he got injured. Yeah, sure. Sure. And you also have, I mean, James Conner wasn't going in the first round. Um, James Conner was probably going in the third in drafts. Miles Sanders is probably going in the third. Yeah, but Uh, I I consider zero RB round five or later before you're starting to take your first running back. Okay. Fully embracing it. Fully, fully embracing it. Yeah, but then you... Going zero RB, zero RB 
go taking receiver round one, round two, and then RB in round three. That's not zero RB. That's half. That's half zero RB. That's half asking it. Okay. Okay. You're going to go zero RB. Just fucking embrace it. But I do, I do want to uh, preface this with the whole zero RB thing. And we'll talk about this throughout the offseason, which I don't want to talk too much about it now. Trends change. Zig when everyone else is zagging. What everyone is going to be talking about during this offseason, it's going to be on this podcast. It's going to be everywhere, no matter who you talk to, within your circles, whatever. Everybody's going to talk about going receiver. Everybody. And you're going to see all these people that are out there. They're going to be saying, oh, yeah, we got to go draft Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Travis Kelsey, all these guys in the top 10 of drafts. It's it, it's going to happen. It's going to be universal that everyone's going to be saying, try and be hipster. They're going to say that all these receivers and all, and, and Travis Kelsey should be going in the, t- in the top 10 of drafts. Are we going to see a, a receiver <clears throat> first overall? I'm sure it's going to be talked about. And what I would say is this. It is talked about every single year. But there is only one receiver that I've ever seen that is gone. Number one in a draft. Was it that time that you picked Des Bryant? No. <laughs> Antonio Brown. Because you sleep better at night with Antonio Brown in full point PPR. For as good as Justin Jefferson is, he's not he's not that. So for me, and I'm gonna have my first batch of draft rankings done at some point during January. Obviously, I'm I'm taking time off because I want to uh, just kind of decompress from fantasy and then just kind of come back with a clear mind just to get draft rankings started and all that. I'm not going to have Justin Jefferson as my, as my number one pick for next year. Now, if people do it, would I be totally surprised and stunned and angry at you? In full point PPR? No, I wouldn't be. But for me, running back is just the staple of fantasy football. And for as much as people want to talk about, they're going to do this, this, that, that, and try and be different. It's not going to matter. It's not going to matter. People are still going to go running back in the first round. There are going to be more running backs that go in the first round than receiver. And anybody who says that that's not going to happen, they're lying. They're lying. Because what do people know more than anything else? How to build a team that's running back heavy. People don't know how to build a team that's receiver heavy. Most I people, if, I should say. If you're in a three receiver league, you might see that happen, though. Maybe. Maybe. But again, again, Adam, it all goes back to what I just said. I know. People, people do not know how to properly build teams that are receiver heavy. People know how to draft three running backs, and then build the rest of the team with receivers, pick a tight end somewhere in the middle, pick a quarterback somewhere in the middle, take a couple more receivers, and then take a couple more running backs that are lottery plays, and boom, there's your team. That's how it's done. That's how 90% 90 of fantasy drafters do it. Yes. Well, I think that if it go if it actually does go that way where people are picking receivers early you're going to be if you're looking at opportunity costs and things like that 
and just like how the th- the picks uh, shake out, you might be getting somebody like McCaffrey or Barkley at a bargain. Listen, I I I I, I genuinely think, and this is very early analysis. I haven't done any draft stuff yet. We haven't gotten to championships yet. All I'm saying is right now my gut is telling me that that four, five, six spot in a 10-man draft looks pretty appealing because you're either going to get one of those elite running backs or you're getting an elite receiver. Yeah. Especially that four spot. That four spot I'm liking a lot. Also, lest we forget when before the 2020 season, when we were all talking about that and you were talking about picking Michael Thomas for first overall after his record breaking well, 2019. Well, okay. I will preface that by saying I was considering it more so because I wanted to be different in that draft. But also I believe that he deserved it at the time. Well, you weren't the only one. I'm just saying you, no, because absolutely. you no, I get we, it. Cause we talked about it, but yeah, like, yeah, other yeah. people were like, we were thinking about picking Michael Thomas in the top oh, I, three. I, I, I mentioned it multiple times that I was thinking about doing it. And eventually my senses got the better of me. And thank God that it did. I mean, I'll never be drafted Michael Thomas ever again. But um, with that being said, I think that that four spot is looking real nice. Real, real, real nice. I think so too. All right. Receivers. <clears throat> Mike McCagden knew something about Greg Dorch. But he let him go. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, is there something about not trusting? I don't know. Receiver, you have to think. To, you have to think. You actually ha- do have to think differently when a backup quarterback is in. With when you're dealing with receivers, I mean, this is obviously stemming off the of DeAndre Hopkins. So obviously, well, even like last week with. Like George Pickens and Deontay Johnson with the Steelers. Uh, sure. Sure. Car- because Carson I mean, these, Wentz and Terry McLaurin. These guys are are but the Wentz McLaurin thing, those were the starters coming into the year. And obviously it there was no connect there. But with Heineke, who was the backup, obviously one point the starter, so different, but Heineke, the GPS was on McLaurin. Um, with McSorley and Hopkins, McSorley obviously was on the practice field a ton with Greg Dortch as the B team or whatever. That was obvious. Also, I mean, you want to see like Devonta Smith and Gardner Minshew as well. Sure, sure. But what I thought was very interesting, 10 targets for DeAndre Hopkins and Trace McSorley couldn't throw a perfect ball to him once. I know. Well, meanwhile, was... meanwhile, Greg Dorch, perfect ball, perfect ball, perfect ball. I'm just like, what the fuck? Well, it's like Tom Brady and Mike Evans. Tom Brady, sure. was, th- Tom sure. Brady was throwing hospital balls to Mike Evans and yep. also interceptions. But to Russell plays. Gage, to Russell Gage, perfect. Chris Goblin, perfect. Yep. Leonard Fournette, perfect. Rashad White, perfect. Kate Mike Otten. Evans, nothing. Mike Evans is not going to finish with a thousand yards. Yeah, that is incredible to me. Unless he gets like twenty targets next week, and even uh, then, yeah. So he has right now 
with two games left. And he'll probably have to play in week 18 versus Atlanta, who he kills. Can't wait for 200 yards, three touchdowns in week 18. Can't wait. He actually might get it. He has 917 yards. He needs 83 yards. Uh, He'll probably get that. He's going to get it. Come hell or high water, he's going to get it. Because I I think Brady knows. I think Brady knows he's going to get it. But But the backup quarterback thing. Yeah, it's there's a trend. There's a trend and it's it is obvious. Um but again, I don't think that like with Hopkins, right? We knew we knew they were on the third string. But could you actually bench DeAndre Hopkins in a fantasy semifinal? Even with a third string in there. Well, I mean, listen. What better options did people have? The guillotine's different. But the, the guillotine I hate referring to because it is so different and it's not it, it's not normal. Because like for me, I was able to bench DeAndre Hopkins in the guillotine, but the other option was Jalen Waddle. Yeah, which I mean, honestly, that that makes sense. Like you can like, j- like I'm looking at the, uh, some of the options maybe people had were like Christian Kirk, um, DJ Moore, maybe. Honestly, I'd feel kind of worse Juju. if I benched DeAndre Hopkins for like somebody like DJ Moore or Christian Kirk, and then yeah. DeAndre Hopkins went off against Tampa Bay, and Christian so, Kirk did nothing. So, Adam, I'll I'll tell you this: I was that that close to starting DeAndre Hopkins over Jalen Waddle. I was that close. Wow. Well, lucky you. When Jalen Waddle scored that touchdown, I wish you could have heard the sounds that were that were coming from my home. Well, especially because the the third person in the in the guillotine that is still alive has Tyreek Hill, so it's like a whole. whole oh yeah, and his thing. and his his team. Shout out, shout out, Nick. Uh, his team is broken. It is so good. I'm surprised that I mean I only won by like point seven. So <laughs> <laughs> any given week, Adam. Any given week, indeed. Any given but, week. I mean, even with with the Jets, like you saw with Mike White go and Zach Wilson and Joe Flacco and Chris Trevler and whoever, the quarterback that's in the game matters when you're looking at receivers and just pass catchers as a whole. I think that's really the buy or sell is that we should put more weight on who's playing quarterback when making uh, decisions on pass catchers. I, I I sell it because it really just depends on who the quarterback is. It's it's a very case by case basis, I think. Like I, I I honestly, I genuinely believe if you were to take all the possible outcomes for what Trace McSorley could have done with DeAndre Hopkins, none of them would have had one catch for 4 yards on 10 targets on it. None of them. Probably not. None of them. And we were one less catch and four less yards away from the first time in DeAndre Hopkins' career that he was held for zero catches and zero yards. 
I know. That would have been that would have been something. Oh, I mean, bad, 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 bad. Um, all right. Uh, buy or sell. I'll give you one here. Um, if Tyler Lockett returns next week, he is a must start in fantasy championships against the New York Football Jets. Honestly, the Jets defense looks atrocious. They look like they lo- they look gassed. <clears throat> um, but yes, Bird. I think that's what they call the Zach Wilson effect. Yeah. There were some honestly, I feel like they're just like it's like a mutiny or something. Cause they just play so much better. Everybody plays so much better when Zach Wilson's not in the game at quarterback. Uh-huh. Oh, which yeah. Which is which is weird. But no, no, that's not weird. That's not weird. That is very fitting. <clears throat> but the defense, I mean, if it's Mike White there, then you know, Sauce Gardner's probably gonna be on DK Metcalf and and Tyler Lockett's gonna get DJ Reed, you'd think. Do we think do we think that uh DK is uh Sauce Gardner's biggest test so far? No, yeah, he, he went up against Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. I know, I know that. And do you mean didn't biggest have mu- didn't have much success against Jefferson, but really who has? So it's not like that's not an insult. But yeah, I'm talking about the physicality. I was like we, say, we like, all know the biggest D- is in size. <laughs> we all know that physically, DK Metcalf is the most imposing receiver in football. I, I don't think that's that's too unfair of a statement. Is it like at all possible that this is just a full on, full on war, on the outside between uh, Sauce Gardner and and DK Metcalf? I am loving the opportunity to see this matchup because I think it's going to be really really good, and we're and we're going to see like I don't want to say we're going to see how good Sauce Gardner is because we know he's really good. He's really good. But I just think that this is a different level of receiver that we're about to see Sauce Gardner go up against. And I think we say this for every corner. It's how do they fare against someone that, yeah, maybe he isn't as um he isn't as speedy or he isn't as, I guess, shifty as a Justin Jefferson or a Stefan Diggs is, but he sure as shit is more physical. And he lives and dies off of the ability to use his size and will that get in the way of sauce Gardner potentially doing his thing? We're going to find out, but I'm loving this matchup uh, for next week. But with that being said, it's not stopping me from starting DK Metcalf. Well, if you look at the tail, if you look at the tail of the tape, DK Metcalf is six, four, two thirty five, mm-hmm. And sauce Gardner is six, three, 200. All right. So they're, they're the same in, ter- in terms of height, but, DK has 30 pounds on him, which is a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. So, I mean, Gino might throw a lot more jump balls just because it's, I don't know. Who knows? Gino, Gino revenge game. Gino revenge game. Yeah. It's not a med life though. That would, that would be crazy. But oh, Gino, Gino would throw for 500 yards. Probably. Gino would throw for 500 yards. And all you'd see on Twitter is, the Jets should maybe look at the sign in this Geno Smith guy. Probably. Oh, without a doubt. 
without a doubt, and you know it. But also, like, I think the I think I like Tyler Lockett in this game more because people just don't throw Sauce Gardner's way at this like as frequently. But well, that, I do, I, 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 do I do think that Geno is going to throw it at guard at Gardner's way because Gardner is probably going to be matched up with the uh, with DK. But maybe you you would know more than I. Does does Sauce Gardner move around or does he really stick to one side? It honestly depends on what they want to use him for. Because on third down, they use man. I mean, honestly, Jake would probably be the, the person to ask for this. Um, well, he's cur- he's currently on his way to Buffalo, New York. Yes. Really? Yeah. So Does we're stuck. Go- we're stuck together for the next week, buddy. Okay. Well, anyway, Jake would be the person to ask for this. I, because I, I'm going to. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. <clears throat> but um, Sauce Gardner does move around a little bit because even like in the Vikings game and in the Bengals game, he wasn't on Jefferson or on Chase the entire time. It's not, it's not really like a Darrell Rivas situation because the Jets do play zone a fair amount. And really it's on third down that they play man. So, um, you know, you, does you, he, does, does, does he shadow guys over the field or, or does he just stick to one side of the field and that's it? I think he usually sticks to one side of the field. Okay. All right. So then, then they'll maybe move uh, DK to the other side and maybe he'll see him. He'll see a mix of both. Uh, Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed, which I mean, D- DJ Reed is no, is no slouch on his own. I, I genuinely do think the Jets have maybe the one of the best, if not the best, one-two corner duo in in football this year. With DJ, how DJ with how DJ Reed is playing, and, it's a DJ Reed revenge game, also. Yeah, and and and, and I mean, let's face it, also that DJ Reed has really been overshadowed, I think, by how well Sauce Gardner has played. I mean, DJ Reed has been really, really good for the Jets. This is not an easy matchup for Seattle. It obviously helps that it's in Seattle. So we're going to have to see how well that Jets defense and the, the young players in that Jets defense fare uh, against that Seattle crowd, against the 12s. But it's going to be a really, really good matchup. A really, really good matchup. And as for Lockett, uh, you have to start Lockett because that's, that's Geno's guy. And I think we saw against the Chiefs, Marquise Goodwin, a very popular pick that a lot of people wanted to start. Zero. Big, fat, zero. So lock it back next week, hopefully. Obviously, we'll have more inj- more injury news on that uh, Wednesday and Thursday. Hopefully. Hopefully, lock it will be back, and hopefully he'll be able to uh, be started in uh, fantasy championships. Yep. All right, last but not least, real quick, I take back a lot of my criticism about George Kittle. He has taken all the all the critique that we've given him over the offseason and just shoved it back in our faces. Because what my main criticism of him was that he just doesn't score touchdowns. And look at that. He scored like a million touchdowns. Career high. Career high in touchdowns today. So I think that granted, granted, four of those four of those eight touchdowns have come with Brock Purdy. So that's fair, which kind of sucks. But I mean, I don't know. Here's here's the th- here's the thing with Kittle, right? Yes, it's with Brock Purdy. It's great, but next year it may not be Brock Purdy. It, it probably may be Trey won't Lance. Be. It's probably going to be Trey Lance, right? So then, what happens? Does that does this continue? And you also look at what George Kittle has done with in terms of receptions. Like, let's just have a look here. 
at the top seven tight ends, right? Kelsey Hawkinson, Andrews Kittle, Ingram, Fryermuth, Higby. Look at the receptions. 97 receptions for Kelsey. 78 receptions for Hawkinson. 68 receptions for Ingram. 64 receptions for Mark Andrews. 65 receptions for Tyler Higby. 60 receptions for Pat Fryermuth. 52 receptions for George Kittle. 52. That's like just under a 7% touchdown rate. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's not really sustainable. No, it's not. And let me just try. I'm just going to do some, some quick math in my head no it's 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 exactly thank thank god it, it adds up perfectly that's four catches a game uh that's in, not, well also in 13 in 13 games you all you also have to factor the fact that Delo samuel is out has been out for like three weeks and that is sure with a fully healthy 49ers team i don't think george kittle does this but it's great uh, for right now maybe Maybe, maybe not, but and there is the potential that Devo is back uh this week as well against the Raiders. But four catches a game. Like if, if for anybody held on to him, and I, I mean, everybody did because you're not gonna be just dropping George Kittle, but held on to him, continue to start him. You're you're benefiting now. And congratulations, because rightfully so, you've earned it. Well, thank you. Because I have him in the guillotine and he has saved my ass. In these past two weeks. Yeah, he has. But <laughs> next year, will I be drafting him? No. I'd be drafting, no. to be honest with you, I'd be drafting Hawkinson if he stays in Minnesota over Kittle. Because I think that Hawkinson and Cousins just have that, have a great connection. Well, here, here's here's one for you. Mark Andrews or Hawkinson next year? Ooh. Where is Lamar? Baltimore. Okay. That's a tough one. He's staying in Baltimore. They're, they're going to tag him. Ooh. I think that's, I'm, not, that's not insider information or anything. That's just, that's just hunch. For the sake of argument? That's just hunch. Okay. I think I would go with Andrews. It, it, it's Andrews. It's Andrews. The one Is thing, it? though, that I love about this with Andrews, with how stinky he's been, He's going to be even cheaper next year. Yeah, well, and Hawkinson's going to be pretty expensive because he's with his um, great end of the season. Maybe a bit more expensive, but do I think he's pushing round four? No, no, I don't. I don't. I still think it's Kelsey. Kelsey in round one or round two. Andrew's probably middle of round three, if not early round three. And then Hawkinson probably in late round four, or early round five. It would be, would be my guess. Okay, that's without benefit of uh, of hindsight. Um, but I'm gonna buy or sell uh, for you right now. Buy or sell. There is no streaming tight end that will help anybody win a championship in week seventeen. I don't think so. No, there's not. 
Because anybody who's streaming tight end at this point, yeah, it's just like why? I mean, we say that we say this with just tight ends in general. It's like why even why even bother? Because the the the, the position is just so bad. Um, so who do you qualify or classify as a streaming tight end? Uh Taysom Hill, Tyler Higby, Cole Komet, Cole Komet, Noah Fant, Kate Otten. Uh, Chagosi McConquo, Kate Otten, Austin Hooper, Will Disley, Greg Dolchich. Like, I, I kind of think you need a Dallas Goddard. Oh, well, here's one. Dow- next year, Dallas Goddard or TJ Hawkinson? I would pick Hawkinson. I think I'd pick Hawkinson, but that's pretty close. But I think you need a Goddard, Hawkinson, Higby, Fryermuth, Ingram, Kittle, Andrews, Kelsey to really have a shot. To, to win a championship. Yeah, I think so. And I know I have one of those and you have one of those in the guillotine. So, yes, let's fucking ride. Let's go. Well, I got to get I got to get there first. You got to hope for no, uh, no stack corrections. Yeah, I. <sighs> decimal, play, decimal points. I don't think there are going to be any, but you never know. No, I don't, I don't think they're going to be any either. We haven't had one yet. No. And usually stack corrections are only for mostly for defensive players. Yeah. Yeah. You usually get the stack corrections a lot with, with IDP. You don't really get them nowadays. At least you don't really get them in, uh, in, in, in just regular non IDP. And also, if you do weird stat, weird bonuses, like if you win or like there's there are like punt yardage corrections. Yeah. If people do punters, which is just a whole psychotic, a whole nother avenue of fantasy football that we'll talk about in the offseason when we do our weird and weird and wacky rules episode. Anybody, anybody who does punters, you're psychotic. I know people. I know people who actually do head coaches, and you head get coach. like, and you get like plus five if they win, or um, or and nothing if they if they lose. That's just weird. It's fucking psychotic. <laughs> Why? This okay? I guess it adds it adds something of like a, a betting aspect to it, but it it's so stupid. That is pretty stupid. I agree. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Basin Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. You can find all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Bert and I will be with you all this week, previewing championship weekends and uh, doing the mailbag. Yep, we will be uh, doing the preview on Wednesday, and we will be doing the mailbag, recording the mailbag on Thursday. Adam and I send you your questions, and we will answer them all for championship week. All right. Bye-bye. For my co-host, Adam Castor, I am Bird, and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye-bye.